Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everyone. We are halfway through the work week. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when you get back from vacation, of any type of vacation, or maybe it's just a break from work, it is, it's a drag. It's tough to get back into that flow, and hopefully... My shows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, as well as our full Monday or our full morning lineup, I should say, helps you with some of that as you get back into the rhythm of the new year. Happy 2023 once again. There's a lot to cover in this podcast today. We have DEFCON level updates. We've got news, injury updates. We've got draft order updates. We've got the crux of this podcast all about those fair weather Steeler fans that come flocking back. And then, of course, in the second half of this show, we have the mailbag segment. Let's get things started off. I hate to start on a somber note, but I think it's important to talk about this first, and then we can move on. And that may sound insensitive to some people, but that's just reality of doing this job and trying to do it both with respect and doing it well to the point that we're we're giving the people what they want, and that is Pittsburgh Steelers news, thoughts, and commentary. So DeMar Hamlin... Pittsburgh native went to the University of Pittsburgh. We also we've, we've all seen it, and it happened on Monday Night Football. It's been well over 24 hours since this took place. We've all seen the clip. T. Higgins catches a pass over the middle of the field, collides with Hamlin, hits him in the chest, and Hamlin takes a blow to the chest, goes down, takes Higgins down with him, stands up, adjusts his face mask, and collapses. Uh, yes, they did have to resuscitate. Hamlin on the football field. I'm not sure if a defibrillator or an AED was needed to be used. Uh, the, te- the teammates were standing around shielding him as they should have, although that probably was extremely traumatic for them to watch their teammate in that setting. Uh, just Tuesday evening, uh, his uncle, Hamlin's uncle who lives in Pittsburgh, when they saw the game, the injury, they, they drove to Cincinnati said that he had to be resuscitated, not just in stadium, but also in the hospital again. And he is listed in, last I've heard, and we, the fans, are not privy to this information. We shouldn't be privy, but yet we do find out little nuggets here or there. Uh, He has been sedated and is intubated. The report from his uncle is that his issue is not so much with his heart. Uh, They were able to get a normal heart rhythm going, but it's his lungs that there's something with his lungs. He might have permanent like lung damage. Who knows? We don't know. We do know that as of this being recorded, uh, he is still in a Cincinnati hospital, and the NFL has decided that they are not going to be making up that Cincinnati Bengals-Buffalo Bills game this week. And they also have said they are not going to adjust the Week 18 schedule. This poses a lot of weird and it sounds really insensitive conversations about what is the NFL going to do with this situation. We all want the best for Hamlin. Mike Tomlin spoke about him. He knows him well. He said he's known him since he was about 12 years old. And everyone feels awful. They feel awful for the Buffalo fan base. They feel awful for the Bengals. Uh, They feel awful, awful for the Bills and the team. Everyone, everyone feels awful. 
It kind of reminded me in the same exact field where Ryan Chazier lay motionless in 2017. The same field this year that uh, Tua was concussed twice, and we all saw that scary scene. It's just ironic that these all happen in Cincinnati. We all feel horrible, and we want the best for this young man, for his future. We want what's best for that. Just like when Ryan Chazier, we wanted the best for him. It didn't have to do with football. But if we're talking about the NFL, and they are a billion-dollar organization, an industry that's going to have to continue on, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to say we have these two top teams in the AFC and teams that could be vying for not just division titles but a number one overall seed. What are they going to do? I don't know. It is a very unique situation, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle it and do they turn to winning percentage as how they're going to negotiate the rankings for the AFC playoffs. It, we just don't know. No one knows. It's a really tough situation. My thoughts and prayers go out to Tamar Hamlin, his family, the Bills, the Bills fan base, and really anyone that saw that. Whether you saw it on replay or live doesn't matter. It was scary. It was frightening. And uh, you just hope that he's able to recover. Whether he returns to football is purely up to him. Let's just hope he has that decision to make. Okay, let's move on. As insensitive as it seems, let's move on. Mike Tomlin did speak with the media, as I mentioned, on Tuesday. He gave an injury update. Three players that were injured in-game. Talked about Miles Jack first with his groin injury, saying it's probably going to be very similar to what he went through last week in terms of trying to figure out you know, how he handles the week. He'll probably get a couple days off. Maybe he returns. That groin's going to be an issue for the rest of the regular season. And if the Steelers somehow make the playoffs then it's probably going to be an issue there too. Those are the type of injuries that are continuously re-aggravated. So we'll see what Miles Jack does. James Pierre is officially in the NFL's concussion protocol, so that's going to be that's going to lead them through his availability this week. And he is a very important special teams player. Let's keep that in mind. Lastly, Minka Fitzpatrick, who twisted his ankle while tackling Mark Andrews. He left for, I think, a play and then came back in, had the game-sealing interception. Mike Tomlin said they're confident he'll be available, but the ankle injury could limit his availability early in the week. You know, Something, before we get to DEFCON level, something that I didn't bring up really on my Monday podcast, I talked about Chicago losing, still owning the second overall pick, and that's exciting for Steeler fans, but I had to wait until after everything, kind of the dust kind of settled, and I looked up the new draft order, the projected draft order. The Steelers, last week, after they beat the Raiders, were 16th, right in the middle of the road, and then they win... But based on all the other teams that won, the Steelers actually go in the correct direction for those draft Knicks out there, and they go to the 15th pick. So they win a game. They're still they're at 500 at 8-8, eight and eight, and they somehow, someway move back. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So Pittsburgh right now is the 15th uh, overall draft pick, Chicago the second. So something to keep your eyes on. Let's talk about DEFCON levels in case you are just now returning to the program, which I will talk about those Fairweather fans here in a second. Uh, Let's talk about DEFCON levels. DEFCON level one, that is no bueno. You do not want to be DEFCON one. You want to be DEFCON five. DEFCON five means everything is just smooth sailing right now. This is what you want. So let's start on offense like we always do. Quarterback, Kenny Pickett, a second straight game-winning drive, 
but I'm not moving him to a five. He's a four. It's a four because there's still a lot of things that could be better. Not that I expect him to be a finished product, but that if I'm going to give him that DEFCON level of five, it's got to be better than what it is right now. I'm so happy and I'm so excited with what I've seen from Pickett thus far, but he still has some improvement to make before I take that leap from four to five. The wide receivers and the tight ends, they were a five the last two weeks. They remain a five. Some will say, well, Deontay Johnson needs to learn how to get his feet in bounds. I don't know if those people that say that realize how difficult it is. And I think that they're making good plays. You talk about Pat Frymuth with the clutch catch, George Pickens, the third and 14 conversion. They are helping their quarterback out. That's great to see. They remain at a five. Hey, we have a new position at the five club. Of uh, the DEFCON level five club, and that is the running back position. I had him a four last week. They move up to five when Najee Harris rips off 111 against that defense and Jalen Warren rips off 76. Yes, I'm so happy with those two running backs. Those guys are going to be around hopefully for a long time. They're a good one-two punch. I don't think it's running back by committee. Najee's the guy, but they finally found someone that they can trust to put in that lineup and not have to worry about Can this guy even get the job done? Is he only able to run between the tackles? Is he only able to make positive gains when he has a a, a glimmer of daylight? No, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris can both run between the tackles and outside. They're a different skill set, but it's a good one-two punch. The offensive line remains a four. If they can clean up on the pass pro a little bit, I think that absolutely they could get to a five. I really love the way they're trending, even though they stay at a four for the second straight week. Let's go to defense. We saw a resurgence in the defense. The defensive backs, they stay the same with four. Uh, Another defensive back takeaway, that was Minka Fitzpatrick's interception. Uh, They played good football. A a play that no one is talking about that I think needs, I'm going to bring it up right now. I'll talk about the damn play. And that is the play, it was a third down play right after Justice Hill has that big return. Steelers kick it short. I wasn't a fan of that decision. Justice Hill takes it, and they're almost in field goal range already because Justin Tucker's range starts when he walks on the football field. Third down play. This was after the tackle for loss and an incompletion. It looks like a completed pass under the underneath to Isaiah Likely. Would have gotten him in field goal range, and Terrell Edmonds comes from behind, disrupts the play, hits Likely. The ball gets dislodged and falls incomplete. That resulted in a punt. That resulted in the game-winning drive. That was a huge play. I want to bring it up. Kudos to Terrell Edmonds. The DBs are a four. Next, inside linebacker. I have him going up to uh, going up one. Great to see Mark Robinson in there. Robert Spillane played a heck of a game. They're at a four. They are at a four right now. Outside linebackers, they go up one to a four as well. Uh, it was a tough game. TJ Watt had a hell of a game, and that's why he was on the winner's list on Monday Outside linebackers go up one to a four. And the defensive line as well. I love seeing DeMarvin Leal out there. He's such a versatile piece. Mike Tomlin spoke about him in his uh, Tuesday press conference, how he's just one of those athletic guys that always wants to show off what he can do. They move up to a four. Love to see that more often. Special teams. I know I had Chris Boswell in the special teams on the losers list this past week, but I had them going up to a three. Uh, I, I thought that they're they're still heading in the right direction. I want to see the kicks. You know, the missed kicks are just really starting to irk me. 
I really am not a fan of kicking it short every single time. If you have the ability to give them a touchback and start at the 25, do it. That's my thoughts. And there are your DEFCON levels for this week. We'll be doing those every week that the Steelers play. We'll be updating those. So at least one more time, we'll be talking DEFCON levels, hopefully more than that. All right, the crux of this podcast, and we're going to go a little long in the first half. Hope you don't mind. We didn't have as many questions in the mailbag as I honestly thought we wouldn't because of all the stuff going on. It was just a weird day. The NFL community is a very tight-knit group, and they just weren't sure how to react. And so I wasn't expecting a ton of questions, and that's fine. But what I want to talk about in the first half to finish it up going into the break is just a welcome back. A welcome back to all those Steeler fans to all those Steeler fans that jumped ship at 2-6 and six, right before the bye week. The Steelers had their bye in week 9, and everyone said, you know what, this team stinks. This team sucks. They're 2-6. and six. I'm done. I'll see you all later. This team, I'll come talk to me when the season's over and they have a high draft pick. There were a lot of fans out there like that. And how do I know fans are coming back? Well, because I'm privy to certain numbers. That's how I know. For instance, the Steelers win over the Ravens. All of a sudden, BTSC at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, our page views are up tremendously. They beat the Ravens, and all of a sudden, our podcast numbers are up tremendously. Guess what? All these fair-weather fans are coming out of the woodwork. Might as well call you all the termites, because here you come. Well, welcome back. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm not going to say you can't come back. No, welcome back. Welcome back, fair-weather fans. It's been a while. And you've missed a lot. You've missed a lot. How long have you been gone? That bye week, like I said, they were two and six. So what I want to do is I want to give you a quick little rundown on what you missed. And for those of you that have been here, and you've been following along no matter what, because you're a diehard, because you're a ride-or-die crew member, look, when you are a ride-or-die crew member, when you ride or die, that means that you aren't missing that ride for nothing. And it's not about my show. It's about this team. We love this team. You're not going to not watch. You're not going to not read. You're not going to not listen. Come on now. But there's a lot of people that they have that ebb and flow. Then the team's good. They're on board. And when they're not, they'll find something else to do. Whatever. That's up to you. But there's even for the people that haven't missed a thing, some of these stats since the bye week are unbelievable. So good that it's worth even you all. Hearing this. So what I wanted to do is I'm going to go over the offense defense. Talk about what this team has been doing since the bye week. I mean, yes, they've won three straight games and they're six and two. They have righted the ship and they are back at 500, eight and eight. And we know what the scenarios are for the team to make the playoffs. You can go back and listen on the Monday podcast. I talked about that and outlined all that in the first five minutes. So let's talk first about stats on offense. These are averages, totals and averages since the bye. So from week 10 to through week 17, this is what we're talking about. I don't have the rankings because honestly, yeah, that, that's fine, but I just want to know what the Steelers are doing. Points per game for the offense. Since the bye, they've had 144 points. That's 18 points per game. That is, that's not great. You want to be over 20, but that's not great. Here's where it starts to get a little bit better. Rushing yards per game, well, they've had a total of 1,170 yards rushing during that time since the bye. They are averaging 146 yards on the ground per game since the bye week. 146. Remember last year? 
League's worst running attack. Okay, let's continue. Passing yards, 1,552 total yards. That averages out to 194 yards per game. Under 200, okay, but when you're running the ball that well, you don't have to throw it as much. That's important to know. Also, sacks surrendered. Let's talk about that offensive line. Sacks surrendered. They've surrendered 16 sacks since the bye week. That is just that's two per game. So not great. You'd love to see that maybe a little bit lower, but not horrible either. Turning the ball over. How many times have the Steelers turned it over since the bye week? Four times. Four times. Three of those, Mitch Trubisky, week 14 against uh, Baltimore. Kenny Pickett has had one turnover since the bye week, and that was obviously in the uh, Christmas Eve game against the Las Vegas Raiders. I wanted to go one step further and look at time of possession. You know, the Steelers have had some games where they have dominated the time of possession. On average, they are ha- they are having the ball 33 minutes a game since the bye week. So they're running the ball, they're controlling the clock. When you think about the narratives around the offense since the bye week, I mean, the offensive line should be right there at the top. It's not just continuity anymore. It's about improvement. This group is getting so much better week after week. Yes, continuity does play a huge factor into that improvement. But remember when Pat Meyer was hired and everyone said, oh, gosh, really? They're hiring this guy? This guy sucks. Does he really? Does he really? I don't think he does. I mean, if they're buying into that system, it's working. Keep it up. The offensive line is a huge narrative. Should be the top. The next are the running backs. You know, I talked about them when we did the DEFCON levels. Jalen Warren, he's that he can run in between the tackles, but he's fast enough that he can get outside, get out, get get down the edge. And Najee Harris, since the bye week, has just been abusing people. Tell me that you weren't a little bit jacked up and had some shades of Jerome Bettis when he was running over defenders, getting up, jawing against the Ravens. That was a pleasure to watch in primetime. That's something to be excited about. The wide receivers and tight ends, well, since the bye week and the trade deadline, no chase, no problem. The Steelers trade away Chase Claypool, and everyone's thinking, wow, they're they're trading away this piece of the puzzle. What are they going to do offensively? Who's going to be the primary pass catcher? The answer, no one. They've been spreading the ball around. Pickens has been that guy sometimes. Deontay Johnson has been that guy sometimes. Pat Fryermuth has been that guy sometimes. But they're finding a way with what they have currently. Kenny Pickett as the quarterback. Is there anything more exciting than this? You may not be a Kenny Pickett fan, but you cannot say that if you're watching these games, even just the last two, that you aren't a little bit excited about the future with Kenny Pickett at the helm and that this team, this franchise, may have found their next guy for the next at least five to seven years, if not decade plus. That should be reason for a lot of fans to have hope. And lastly, what you've been missing, if you've been a Fairweather fan that's been away, is the youth movement on the offensive side of the ball. This offense, the the oldest starter on offense is 26 years old. The oldest starter. And no, it's not Kenny Pickett for those people that think it is. No, the oldest starter is 26. This youth movement, it's been frustrating, but it's also been a heck of a lot of fun to watch them develop to watch this group develop. So what have you missed on offense? You've missed a lot. You have missed a lot if you're just coming back and tuning in after the Steelers uh, have won three in a row and now find themselves back in the thick of a playoff race. But what about the defense? Let's do the same thing with them. Since the bye week, points per game, 
They've given up 135 points. That's 16.8. Okay, 16.8 points per game. Amazing. Rushing yards per game. Listen to this. They've given up a total of 761 yards since the bye. That's averaging 95 yards per game they're surrendering on the ground. Remember how they couldn't stop the run last year? Yeah, they're, they've fixed the problem. Whatever they're doing is working 95 yards per game. Passing yards per game, they've surrendered 1,425. That's 178 yards per game. How about sacking the quarterback? Well, they've had 18 sacks since the bye week. That's averaging 2.25 per game. And then I wanted to see about takeaways. 11 takeaways since the bye. That's 1.3 takeaways per game. So what are some of the narratives and storylines that we've had with the defense since the bye? Well, the defensive line is improving. You talk about DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Loudermilk, Tyson Oluwalu is still playing. Montrevious Adams is playing a lot more. Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward are a great one-two punch. That's what we're learning. They're starting to figure things out there. Also, ball hawks. Yeah, Mika Fitzpatrick, six interceptions on the season. Slowly, they're, they're turning into a team that just really is taking the ball away. You think about Cam Sutton's diving interception of Derek Carr to seal the win against the Raiders. Just tremendous stuff. The run defense, they're only giving up 95 yards. Now that you look at if you look at the season totals, it's not going to be that number. Remember, these are from the this is just from the bye week. So this is week 10 on. They've only given up 95 yards on the ground. Some of the numbers that they've held these teams to is absolutely astonishing. I mean, let me bring my notes here. Okay. On defense, they've held teams 29 points total. 62, I'm 29 points, 29 rushing yards total, 62 rushing yards total, 21 rushing yards, 58 rushing yards, insane numbers, insane. The rush, the run defense has been tremendous since the bye. Now this defense, and you listen to Jeffrey Benedict's uh, cutting room floor on Tuesday, he talked about how the defense is benefiting from the offense holding onto the ball. I mentioned the 33-minute average that the offense has the ball per game. That has helped the defense an unbelievable amount. They're not being asked to be out there for 100 snaps like they were against the Bengals in Week 1. This defense has been a fantastic storyline in the second half of the season. It all works together, folks. This is what it's about. Yeah, they're 6-2 and two since the bye, and yes, they've won three straight. If you're a fan that turned it off and you're just now turning it back on, what really is disappointing is, no, it's not about your fandom. You can do what you want. What is, is disappointing is that you probably, it seems like you missed out on, the, on seeing the, the, the basement of this thing get built. You missed out on a really fun season so far. It's been frustrating, but we have seen so much growth, so much development, and so much improvement on both sides of the football. If you stuck it out, you understand what I'm talking about. And also, if you know what I'm talking about, is that in the second half of this show, you've got the mailbag coming up, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Second half of the show, it is Wednesday, happy hump day, and it means it's time for the mailbag segment. The mailbag, you can 
here's how you get a question. A lot of people ask me, Jeff, I want to ask a question. I just don't know how to do it. You have to create a Twitter account. You don't have to follow me. Just find my account on Tuesday at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I put out a tweet. It always has a GIF. It's Wedding Crashers this year because that's Kenny Pickett's favorite movie. And you just respond. Reply to that tweet, and I will answer your question. Like from Doc M, our first question, Southside Doc. He asked, with the season almost concluded, what do you believe the ceiling of this current team is? What is a realistic projection moving forward in terms of ceiling and floor for next year? So I think that the ceiling of this current team is to make the playoffs. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but yeah, they could still do it. They can win. They get the help that's needed, and they get into the playoffs. Could they win a playoff game? Sure. I mean, this was a team that you go back to the game against Cincinnati. I think it was week 11. They lose 37-30. They're right there with them. Baltimore is a playoff team. They beat them once, lost to them once. Probably should have swept them this year if you're being honest with yourselves. Uh, They've beaten some good teams. They've hung with some good teams in the second half of the season. So that's the ceiling for me. In terms of next year, I would say that the floor is an is an eight, nine win season and a ceiling would be somewhere around, you know, 11 and 12 wins. Again, I got to remind everyone that I've been saying this ad nauseum. It feels like this is a rebuild. It's going to take two to three years. And this is year one. You get Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett is that guy and we all think now, like he's proven a lot. He's checked a lot of boxes that really expedites the process. They still have work to be done though. Good question. Thank you, doc. Good to see you back. Haven't heard from you in a while. Cheeseball10, haven't heard from this individual either in a while. I said, kind of crazy that just a few weeks ago, people were discussing the Steelers tanking for a top 10 pick. Anyway, what do you look for in this game this week that could show you the team is poised for a playoff run? I think it's the willing, the, the ability on defense to stop the run and the ability on offense to run the ball. That is the calling card of this 2022 Steelers, this team. Protect the ball, run the ball, stop the run, Take the ball away. When they do those four things, they win. That's it. Can they do it against this team? I want to see them shut down Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, harass Deshaun Watson, and I want them to run it right down their throat, just like they did against Baltimore. Run it right down their freaking throat. That's what I want to see. Good question, Cheeseball. AFL66 says, Jeff, I assume Warren is on a one-year deal. How much do you think it will cost to re-sign him? First part of that is that Jalen Warren, since he was undrafted, will become a exclusive rights free agent. So there's all these different levels of free agency, and because they have him signed under contract, he will then go into that realm. They could sign him to a contract, but they don't have to. They have um, contractual control over Jalen Warren for the next probably two to three years. So I think he's still going to be around without them having to give him a new contract, but it is worth re-signing him at some point, in my opinion. Second question from AFL66. I keep hearing Jets have to beat Miami. Wouldn't that game ending in a tie also work for the Steelers' playoff hopes? I think, yes, if they did tie, it would be okay because if the Seahawks had beaten the – or the Seahawks had lost to the Jets last week, even at the kickoff of the Baltimore game, the Steelers would not have been eliminated, but they would have had to hope for a a tie between Miami and the Jets. But that didn't happen, so I'm pretty sure that a tie would still mean the Steelers get in. Let's hope. Let's not root for ties. That's all I got to say. Mike Smith. Thanks to a late push, 
The Steelers are still alive heading into the final week. I believe the last time they had nothing to play for in the final week was 2012. How does this season compare to other late-season playoff pushes the Steelers have made? This season reminds me so much of 2013. In 2013, you know that was the uh, really bad 0-4 start, Le'Veon Bell's rookie year. And it just seemed like they started to kind of figure things out at the end of the season. They were the team that some people were saying, you don't want to play the Steelers in the postseason. They were turning it on. They were winning games, finding unique ways to win, even without Ben Roethlisberger that year. I I compare this season to that one. That was the Ryan suck-up year, uh, where all this stuff needed to happen in the final week of the season, and it did except for Ryan Suckup couldn't hit a 43-yard field goal and the Steelers missed out on the postseason. I hope it doesn't happen that way, but I think this team, could they be, do some make some noise? They are the epitome of playing with house money, in my opinion. Uh, Mike Smith asks another one, have the past few games changed your outlook on Kenny Pickett in any way? I like what we've seen from Kenny Clutch in the two-minute offense with the game on the line. It's too bad he has small hands and he uses the laugh, eye roll, and smiling emoji. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. So, Mike, it has changed my outlook on Kenny Pickett. I wanted Kenny Pickett to start from day one, not because I'm a fanboy. I'm not. Uh, you can go back and listen to the tape when they drafted Kenny Pickett. My exact, I think I'm my exact response was, "Oh gosh, you've got to be kidding me." That's what I said. But as I learned more about him, reading reports from him in minicamp, in training camp, I'm thinking, you know what? This kind of makes sense for him to just start. For him to start and let's see what you have. And I was on that bandwagon, and now. I think that, in my opinion, he has solidified the starting role, and he is going to go into an offseason where he has all the time in the world to get himself ready, whether it's with Matt Canada or not. That's up for debate. But still, I think Kenny Pickett has proven that he is the guy for the Steelers, at least in the short term. Aiden Blaine says, Hey, Jeff, it's been a while since I've asked a question. Yes, it is. Welcome back, Aiden. Said, have any players who are on an expiring deal earned a new contract after this week's performance, in your opinion? There's two, mainly on defense. Okay, the first one is Terrell Edmonds. I talked about that play you made on Isaiah Likely. I think they need to try and lock him up with a at least a two-year deal, maybe get him a three. That would be fine with me. Next, I'm looking Larry, Larry Ogunjobi. I, if they can keep him around and he can stay healthy, he and Cam Hayward have proven that they can be a pretty good duo. Not Stefan Tuitt, Cam Hayward duo, but they could be a pretty good duo. They can still draft some depth there. would be really good to see that defensive line keeping some continuity there. That Those are the two that I would like. Uh, let's go to Gary A. Schultz the third. He's had been a Ride or Die crew member since 2020. Ah, when the Ride or Die crew, you're a charter member of the Ride or Die crew. That's when I started doing this show. He asks, what do you think the chances are the Steelers make the playoffs? The games the Steelers need other teams to win are kind of iffy. What are your thoughts? Well, here's a unique take on this. Buffalo not making up the game against Cincinnati this week. Well, What does that mean? It means that next week's game against New England is very important to them based on what the NFL says in terms of how they're going to do, what they're going to do with this game. So they're going to be playing hard. They're, they're, yes, they're playing a division rival, but they're going to need to win that game if they want that top seed. And so that's going to be very important. As for the Miami game, it's going to come down to Mike White. He's got to he's got to try to put his best foot forward because next season he's not guaranteed to be the guy. 
So he's going to be playing hard. Meanwhile, Skylar Thompson's probably going to be the quarterback for the Dolphins based on the fact that Tua's not going to play. And Teddy Bridgewater broke his finger. So it looks like they're on third-string quarterback. When you say that, when I you know outline all that stuff and then the Steelers host the Bear, the Browns, yeah, I think the Steelers actually have a decent chance to make the playoffs. I really, really do. Some might disagree, and that's fine. Ant Smith says, if the decision was mine to make on Canada staying or moving on him, moving on from him, I would move on. My reason would be I feel like he's holding back a good group of offensive players. If the decision was yours to make on Canada staying or moving on, what's your decision and why? I'm, I've said it before. I'll say it again, Ant. I, I would leave that decision. I would, If I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm talking with Art Rooney. I'm talking with Omar Khan and Andy Weedle, and I'm saying, look, I'm not tied to Matt Canada, but we've got a young quarterback, and if this young quarterback believes in the system and the system can improve, then I want to see what Kenny Pickett says. I'd bring Kenny Pickett into that same meeting and say, look, kid, you're the you're our guy, and you're our guy for the for the for a while. So we want you to have a guy and, and a coordinator that you like that you can get along with. What do you think? If you think it's Canada, we can keep it. We're going to have to change some things, and we can keep it. But if you also want to move on, we're going to do it now. And we're going to get a guy in here that you like, that you think is going to work well, and that way we can all be copacetic moving forward. That's how I would handle it. Amendez, how high on the list of draft priorities is inside linebacker? I believe this need has surpassed the offensive line. You know, it, it a lot of it depends on Mark Robinson, how they view him. If they think that he is a potential guy that could play next to Miles Jack and be a starter, you keep Robert Spillane around, maybe inside linebacker is not a super high draft priority. I still would draft one, though. I don't know if I would go first round. I think maybe round two, since you have two picks, maybe. I still want the trenches to be figured out first because when the defensive line's eating up blocks, the linebackers can flow. And when that happens, even someone like Devin Bush can look better. Last question, question. Last question from Evan Savage. He said, once Bradshaw retired, the Steelers had eight straight mediocre seasons until Cower. This current team looks like it will compete sooner than that, than later. Good defense, top five since the bye, an offense with young talent and high potential. Do you think Tomlin deserves more credit? Anyone thinking this team should have had more than seven wins this year is delusional. The Steelers process seems to be speeding up. Does Canada get fired if they make the playoffs? Do you want him gone? He's growing on me, unfortunately. Well, I kind of talked about how it handled that situation with Ant's question. But do I think he gets fired if they make the playoffs? No, I don't. Do I want him gone? I, I honest to goodness feel like that they're just starting to dive into more of a repertoire of the offense. Keeping him there with Kenny Pickett might not be a bad thing. Like you, I kind of feel you there, Evan, when you say he's growing on me. I'm kind of in that same boat unfortunately, as you put it. All right, folks, great. I, I really enjoyed this show. I hope you all did too. Uh, I thank you all for joining me. I, I hated to start on that somber note, but it's just something you had to talk about. On Friday, I'm not sure if Jerome's going to be back this week. Uh, I think he's going to be traveling, you know, he's doing his globetrotter thing. Uh, so I might get someone else. I might just do it solo. We'll see. Until then, Make sure you check me out on Friday as long as all of our podcasts on our audio-only platform. If you found this, you found us. So just click on that. Give all our shows a like. Uh, not a like, but give them a listen. I sure, I'm sure you'll like them. Okay, folks, you know how we finish out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday. Go Steelers.